Praise God. Let me just begin by saying we cannot get weary, or we shouldn't get weary. We've got to stay in a fight of faith. Sometimes as we mature in life and get to certain ages, we want to just quit and just say, let the, let the younger ones do it. But I'll tell you, as long as we're here, we still have a fight to fight. We still have something to do. There's something for us to be here for. We're in a fight of faith. I remember one day I was ministering at a, at a nursing home. And primarily it was, it was they were elderly ladies. And they were there. And I loved ministering to them because I'd start a scripture and they could finish it. You know, they, they, were, they, were, they were word ladies. <clears throat> and I told them one day, I said, I need you to help me. And one of them said, what can we do? And I looked at them and I said, you can pray and you can believe God. There is something we can do. We can stay in faith. We can stay engaged in the fight of faith. We mustn't give in to the forces that are wanting to socialize our nation with that demonic doctrine. We mustn't give in to the cancel culture or the woke crowd or the spirit of this age. We must stay in the place of faith. We must believe God. Listen, it's going to take a miracle to turn it around. We just have to know the miracle worker. We know the one who can turn it around. But he needs us to agree with him. He needs us to work through and to work with. We can stay in the place of faith. We must stay strong in faith. A lot of Christians are afraid that if they fight the fight of faith, they'll get tired. So what? We've been tired before, haven't we? And we got past it. I mean, it's not like a soldier gets to take a weekend off from the battle. We need to decide we're going to stay in faith. Sadly, many Christians don't even know there's a fight. They have no idea there's, there's anything worth fighting for. Uh, Paul told Timothy, he, he, he called it in 1 Timothy 6.12, he said he told him to fight the good fight of faith. And I've told you before, it's a good fight because we win. It's a good fight. We win the fight. He told him in 1 Timothy 1.18, he said, this, I charge, this charge I commit to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that, that by them thou mightest war a good warfare. It's a good warfare. Why? Because we win. It's a good fight because we win. God is our God. God is on our side. As we stay on his side, he's always on our side. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have weapons of warfare, and we must learn to use them, and we must not give in. The devil is counting on us quitting. He's counting on us getting tired of hearing about it. He's counting on us not fulfilling what God's called us to do. Well, I don't care what the devil does. I care what God does and what God has said to us. Let me read you a prophetic word that I ran across recently. It says this, The majority of churchgoers today soundly reject all prophetic warnings of a coming storm. Indeed, the American church today is the most blatant, feel-good church in all of history. But like Israel, we're only experiencing the calm before the storm. Likewise, today Christians, by the multiple thousands, are casting off the yoke of Christ, tossing aside all limits and restrictions. This attitude is prevalent in many of the books and magazines you find in Christian bookstores. 
It's almost as if our leaders are saying, relax. God isn't hard. He's our daddy. We're all his kids. And we are meant to have a good time. He is our father. He's Abba, father. But we can't throw off what is right. He went on to say, moreover, God is faithful to speak in times of prosperity. Just before the fury of his judgment strikes. While the storm clouds are still gathering, he raises up prophetic voices all over the land. And according to the scripture, whenever a sinful nation was prosperous and at peace, God told his prophets to warn that the good times would soon end. Then he quotes Zechariah 7, 7. The Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited in prosperity. Beloved, if we're going to face the coming storm, we need to be prepared so that nothing disturbs our spirit. Then he goes on to talk about how that it's time to repent. Then he said, almost always God's people grew weary of the warnings. This was especially true if a prophet cried out about a coming storm over a period of years. The society ignored the warning and just continued to be prosperous and at peace. Over time, the people simply switched off the prophet's voice. They simply didn't want to hear it anymore. That's quite a prophecy, isn't it? Sounds like a prophecy. That's accurate today. But the word was given by David Wilkerson in 1998. I mean, he, he warned America. He warned the compromised church of that day and instructed those with a heart for God to get out of their dead churches, to become alive. He instructed them to seek, to, to, to seek God's protection for what was about to come on America. That's pretty powerful. I believe he was prophesying to today. I believe he was speaking to today. I mean, 9-11 should have been a wake-up call to the church. And it didn't really wake her up. She kind of just scrambled a little bit in her sleep and went back to sleep. COVID-19 is a wake-up call to the church. It's a wake-up call. And yet the church, once the restrictions were lifted, the church has pretty much just gone back to the way it was. Gone back to doing what it was and... No repentance really, not really waking up. We need God to move in America. We need God to move in our churches. I mean, the church must awaken. We must change the way we think. We must get out of this consumer Christianity that we have, out of this entitlement Christianity, and understand God is God and we are not. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Our job is to take his thought, to take his word, to take what he wants done, and let that be our marching order. We have to change the way we think about things. Instead of it always, always, always being about me, it's got to always, always, always be about him. And if I make it about him, he'll take care of me. Remember we talked several weeks ago about if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to us. The goal is to seek first the kingdom. Seek first the king. That's what God wants for us. The scripture says in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Now that passage is literally talking about money, but it can apply to everything. We must not be weary. The devil, as I said, the evil in our society, they're banking on the fact that we're going to give up and we're not going to fulfill what we promised God we would do. We need to make a commitment in our hearts. We're going to begin to think the way God wants us to think. Change our minds about things. Instead of spending our time grumbling about what 
the administration is doing and grumbling about the, what, the, what the CDC has commanded next and grumbling, why don't we spend our time getting the thoughts of God? What does he want us to do? What is he calling us to rise up in? Finding that out. You see, we must not quit. We must not grow weary. Now that takes me to this passage of scripture we read last week. And, and I, want us, I want you to hear this again. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 is really the focus for us right now. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be ye transformed. And I read it this way last week. Be ye transformed by fasting. That's not what it says. Be ye transformed by praying. That's not what it says. Be ye transformed by having a bunch of people put you on their prayer list. Be ye transformed by going to church on Sunday morning. No. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. My prayer tonight is that God speaks to us. That we hear what he has to say. Listen, you don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from him tonight. Let's see if we can do that. We, we need to agree with that. The New Living Translation says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Changing the way we think will allow God to transform us. Changing the way we think. Here's what we need to understand. We're involved in the process. The scripture never says that God will change the way we think. We change the way we think. We have to change what we're thinking. We're involved. We change the way we think. And as we do that, God makes us into a different person. But we choose to change the way we think. Here's the question. Are we interested in knowing the will of God? I think the answer to that is yeah. yeah. I want to know the will of God. This is how we know his perfect will. We know, we find his perfect will by changing the way we think. Changing what we think, the way we think. I mean, the, 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 his perfect will is connected to our mind being renewed so we can find out what it is. Uh, when, I was in, when we were in Dumas years ago, the rumor went around, we had two or three rumors, but more than that probably. But one of the rumors was, because we were the first ever charismatic church in that city. I mean, and, and they told us it would never work. And it's still working. I guess they still think it might never work. But they told us, they said, you know what? They're just brainwashing people there. Well, you know what? I think we need some brainwashing. I mean, I, I think we need to scrub them really, really good with the washing of the water of the word. We need to change our minds, change our brains. The world is defiling. It's contaminating. It's thoughts that, that, that contradict the Word of God are filthy thoughts. I mean, that's when we come together for the Bible study. This helps in the renewing of our mind. All right? What we allow in our minds determines what we become in our lives. 
People say this, well, I'm just the way, I'm just the way God made me and that's the way I am. That is not true. You are the way you become based on what you think. And that, that statement I just made is pretty fatalistic. It says that means I can't change. That God can't even change me. We can change if we change the way we think. That means we change by what we listen to. What we allow into our minds. We must change. Tonight, before you leave here, I hope you're so excited about what God's going to do in your life because your mind is renewed that you just meditate on the rest for the rest of the week. The word is right. It's good. See, our life here is so short. Well, yeah, but I know somebody lived to be 90-something years old. That is short. The Bible calls it a vapor. It's, it's like a fog that lifts at, when, the, when the sun, after the sun comes out. I mean, it's short. And we need to do, while we're here, what God has put us here to do. We need to fulfill His assignment here. But I'm going to tell you something. This, this life is basically faith school preparing us for heaven. You mean we're going to need heaven, faith in heaven? Well, these three things remain. Love. Faith is one of them. The Bible says we're going to rule for eternity with Jesus. Don't you think that'll take some faith? <laughs> if faith is the thing that pleases God, don't you think we still need faith even in heaven? You think we have to read our Bibles in heaven? The Word will abide forever. And we're going to be hearing it from the author of the Word when we get there. I mean, it's going to take some faith to rule and reign with Him. Just think about this. We're going to get to heaven one of these days. I thought about this this morning. We're going to get to heaven one of these days. And we have relatives there. I mean, can you think of anybody you're going to enjoy seeing when you get to heaven? That was in your family. I have a great-grandmother that, I mean, she prayed for me. She believed God for me when I was a little boy. She's just, she told me I was going to be a man of God. She was a little Church of Christ lady. She wasn't little. She was kind of a big lady. But she told me I was going to be a man of God, and she prophesied over me, and she read the Bible to me. I am looking so forward to seeing her again. I mean, it just makes me happy to even think about that. We get to we get we just get to enjoy them forever. The little trials and things we have here are nothing compared to what we have to look forward to in heaven. I'm so tired of wearing that mask. That is nothing compared to eternity with Jesus. It's nothing, nothing at all. Now, see, I've been talking here, and there's smiles in your faces. Why? Because a thought came. About heaven. How did, how did that thought ever come, how did it come to us? Because God said it. And His Word is His thoughts. I just got ahead of myself. But we, have, we need to learn how to take our minds and renew them. They need to be washed and renewed. The Today's English Version says this. It says, Do not conform yourselves to the standard of this world. Don't conform yourself to the standard of this world. That's saying, don't bow to peer pressure. You know what peer pressure is? Peer pressure is the pressure of the world to make you like itself. It's the pressure to mold you into its own image. I mean, why is there so much pressure 
to conform. Why, why does that happen to us? You know why? Because you're weird if you don't try it. You're weird if you don't do it the way they do it. You're weird if you don't if you don't understand the thoughts that they do. I remember growing up when we were teenagers, we all wanted to be different. We wanted to have our own identity. So we all had bell bottoms. I mean, we all wore tie-dyed clothes. And I'm individual because of no, no, we 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 if you didn't, you were weird. You the pressure was for you to wear certain clothes, to act a certain way. I mean, you know, we all had long hair, and if you could, if your parents let you get a perm, you could get an afro, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But we wanted to be just like one another because the pressure was there. The pressure today, even at our age, the pressure is we don't want to be the last one to get one of those. We want to have one. I mean, we, we want we want to be, we want to look good, we want to feel cool, we want to fit in. Can I tell you something? The Bible says we're to be different. We're to be different. We're not to fit into their mold. We're not to conform to the world. Every time we feel the pressure to conform to the world, something inside of us should rise up and say, No, I will not. And if anything makes us makes our thinking not conform to God's word, we need to say no. We need to rebel against the not, we need to not rebel against proper authority, but we need to rebel against the pressure that makes us conform to this ungodly world. We need to be people who who understand that God made us different than the world. Well, you know, everybody else is doing it. That doesn't make it right. We need to become non-conformists. We are transformists. We're not going to fit their mold. We're not going to conform when we're pressured. The word conform from the Greek literally means to conform to the same pattern, to fashion alike. We're not to be like them. The pressure of the world is to make you a cookie-cutter copy of them. And that's not what the church is supposed to be. We're not to have their immorality. Their actions, their speech, their dress, their pressure doesn't determine what I watch. Most of all, it doesn't determine what I think. They have no right to do that. We're supposed to be different. Let me just say this. We don't have to apologize for it. Amen. Because we're not the ones who are wrong. Listen, the people who don't know our God need to know Him. They need to change and come our way. We don't need to go theirs. Listen, we won't help them by conforming to them, by being like them. They need to change. Listen, the world needs to know Jesus. They need to speak in tongues just like we do. You mean everybody in the world? Yeah, everybody in the world ought to speak in tongues. They need to believe in healing. They need to, they need to be able to bind and loose in the name of Jesus. They need to be free from, 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 from the, the authority of the world. They need to be free. Listen, we're not to westernize the world, but we are to evangelize it. We need to take Jesus to them. Their pressure must not make us like them. We are to be different. Our pressure is, is it's not a pressure, but it's a pressure that we, we have to evangelize them, that they can be transformed. The word transformed in that passage is the Greek word metamorpho. It means to change into something else. It means to completely change. It means to change from the inside out into another form. To change. 
The world wants to pressure us into what they are. God wants to transform you into something totally different from the person you were before you got saved. Listen, here's the deal. The new birth didn't change all your problems. Anybody figure that one out? <laughs> if you got saved later in life, you didn't get a new body and you didn't get a new mind. You still have you were still you still had the same checkbook you had before you got saved. You still have had the same thoughts you were having before you got saved. Even though now you got born again, you have help in getting past it. All right? Once we're born again, it's up to us to do something about our minds. Lost people need to get saved. Saved people need to have their minds renewed so we can be transformed into something else. Our minds need to be renewed. We've got to change the ungodly way of thinking that the world has tried to pressure us into. We have to understand what they call normal may not be normal for the Word of God. What's normal in the Word? Uh, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, deliverance, demons running away. That's normal. Speaking in tongues is normal in the Word of God. Normal. Listen, we need to not conform to what their normal is. We need to begin to think the way the Lord said for us to think. And when we do, sometimes that makes people uncomfortable. I remember when I was a teenager, I went to see Catherine Kuhlman. I was 18 years old. I watched somebody get out of a wheelchair. And I was dumbfounded. I watched people healed of all kinds of things. A lady that was blind could see... I, it was it was amazing to me. I went home and told my dad, I'm telling you something, he was uncomfortable with what I was saying. And he began to try to explain it away every way that he could. I just looked at him and said, you weren't there. I was. Because, I, you know, the Lord, the Lord made sure I could see it. Listen, when we're becoming transformed, we must learn to feed on his thoughts Put them into our minds so we can embrace a new way of thinking. We've got to reject the old way of thinking, anything that disagrees with his word. Now that means I've got to know something about his word, right? So I can, I, I can choose his thoughts. If I do, I'll be changed into another person. And this other person I'm being changed into is Christ-like because I'm thinking his thoughts, thinking what he thinks. What, you, know, you know what he thinks? Yeah, you can find it in a book that I have. It's called the Bible. It's full of his thoughts. So we're talking about the supernatural power of God's word to change us. I mean, you know, there are multi-billion dollar corporations that are making all kinds of money telling people how they can change. They're not teaching you how to change. Most of them teach you how to conform to the image of the world. We need to be what God told us to be. We need to be Christ-like. Listen, we thought that prayer, if I could just pray enough for, 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 for this person, they'll change. They have something to do with it, by the way, that person. And the Bible says they're changed by the renewing of their mind. We can pray for circumstances to come in their way. They'll cause them to turn and look at God, and that's what we need to be praying. But we can't change that God. We can't say, God, just change them. Just change them. No, no, they gotta be. They got to choose that. When we got born again, the Lord did something in our spirits. And now, because he did that, we have the power to do something with our minds, to make the, have them transformed. He gives us free will over our minds. Isn't that right? 
Your mind is your mind. It's up to you. Here's what the Bible says. This word transformed is in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. It says this, the same metamorpho. It says, After six days Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and leadeth them up to an high mountain apart by themselves, and he was, as he was, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so no fuller can white them. The word transfigured is the same word as transformed. It's metamorpho. Jesus was transfigured. He changed right in front of them. All of a sudden, they saw what was on the inside of Jesus, and it came out of him. He began to glow. He began to shine. He was transformed. It came out of him. That's, that should be happening to us every single day. The, what's on the inside of us, as our mind is changed, the transformation should be taking place. So we are changed, and it begins to come out of us. And it begins to be evident to everyone around us. It should be happening. Second Corinthians chapter 3.18 says this, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. The word changed is metamorpho. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That verse is talking about beholding as in a glass looking into the Word is what it's talking about. As we gaze into the Word which are the thoughts of God we are changed. We are transformed by gazing into it like we're looking into a mirror. Listen, we're not going to contact, have enough contact in the spirit world until we do something with our minds. I've heard people pray this. Oh, Holy Spirit, just take over my mind. Control my thoughts. That's what demons do. The Holy Spirit's not a demon. He's not going to make you do anything. We have to... We have to give ourselves. Our minds are our minds because we have free wills. We yield to him willingly. We have total autonomy to think whatever we want to think and to say whatever we want to say. Now, some are smart enough not to say it out loud in front of some people. Not all of them, you know, but some of them are. But I can say what I want to say, and I can think what I want to think. Okay? We taught last week that a word is a thought capsule. It's, it contains a thought. When I speak a word, it contains my thought. It's a thought capsule. All right? So we've got to learn how to take our thoughts seriously. And we, I'm going to ask you this question. Where do your thoughts come from? Every thought comes from somewhere. Are they original with you? Let's look at that for just a second. When we immerse ourselves in a book or a movie. Where do those thoughts come from? Well, they came from the words in the book. They were the thoughts of somebody else. If we immerse, they began as somebody else's thoughts. I remember when I was in high school, and I was pretty carnal, of course, like many of you were. And we read The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Anybody read that? And I remember we had to quote parts of it. And this is one of the parts I couldn't remember. I had to look it up this week. I remember quoting this part. Ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Anybody ever read that? Ooh, we had to quote it. Listen, I didn't even really, I was saved. But I didn't know God very well, but I knew then that, that Poe had a demon in him. I mean, we're quoting all this demonic stuff. 
Listen, just because something is written in masterful, poetic style doesn't make it something we ought to think about. Doesn't make it something that, 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 that we need to, 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 to consider worthy of our thoughts. Listen, just because, just because someone is deeply intellectual doesn't mean we have to think what they think. Just because it has bright lights and bells all over it doesn't mean that's what I need to think. Just because somebody wrote a book doesn't make them the authority. Even people who write books in the church doesn't make, doesn't make that the authority if it, if it contradicts the Word of God. When the thought comes, you need to start asking yourself some questions. Because you don't have to take them all. You can't stop them from coming, but you don't have to hold them. You don't have to keep them. You need to ask yourself a question. Is it death or is it life? This thought. Does it convey light or darkness? Joy or sorrow? If it's from God, it's good. I mean, He's the Creator. You know, have you ever been to an art show? I went to an antique show a year ago, well, a year and a half ago in Miami, and I was at this antique show, and it was it was they had art and they had jewelry, they had all these things that that, that I went to study uh, antique jewelry, but they had art, all kinds of art, pornographic pictures that they called art from famous artists. They called it art. I called it demons. I don't have to think that. The greatest artist of all time has to be God the Father, the Creator. I mean, He's the one who painted the picture of this universe, this planet, all the differences in the people. I mean, He's the greatest, he's the greatest artist of all time. And He's going to say, stay away from death. Stay away from confusion. Keep that out of your mind. Think His thoughts. Listen, what's accepted as normal today won't be normal tomorrow. If you think about what was normal 100 years ago, it's not normal anymore. Normal. We need to find God's thoughts. His word will never change. We need to put his thoughts into our minds. Listen to these verse, this verse, these verses. Romans chapter 8. The Bible says this, The righteousness of the law that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Where do thoughts come from? What, what, what is a thought? If you're a thought? If you're a thought, what's a thought? We think we know what a thought is because it's part of our everyday world. But so is oxygen, and many of us don't understand that either. A thought isn't a natural thing. It's not a, a thing you can hold, a thing you can draw a box around. So, it, so it's, not, it's not something physical. So where do they come from? We talked about last week, a thought can make you happy. Just a thought. We talked a few minutes ago about heaven, about going there, and we, that made us happy, about eternity and what happens there. I mean, you can be transformed by a thought. A thought can bring you joy, but it also can bring sadness or terror. Just thinking a thought. But where do they come from? So let's, let's talk about that. And we've got to take responsibility for what we think. Here's what the Bible says. I'm going to go back to, to that in Romans in just a minute. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, 
A word is a thought container. The word of God is the container of his thoughts. You got that one? The word, if, if my word is a thought container, his words are thought containers. It says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the son of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God contains his thoughts. His, his word is quick. The word quick means living, alive, or life-giving. So his word, which is his thoughts, are life-giving. They are quickening. They are living. His words are living and life-giving and powerful. Just If we get hold of this for just a minute. God's words are life-giving. They're life-changing if we get them and meditate in them. What's a word from God? Listen, when God speaks a word, it doesn't mean anything to you if you don't understand the language. I mean, thank goodness we didn't have to learn Hebrew and Greek just to get the word of God. The reality is when it was translated, if it's translated properly into a language we understand... No matter what it's wrapped in, it contains the same thought that it contained in Hebrew or Greek if it's translated properly because we can get hold of the thought. So when we're talking about God's Word, here we see it's alive and powerful. It's not limited. It's not the letters that make it happen. It's the thought behind it. The Scripture said, we read last week, His thoughts are precious. What would God's thought about you do for you? If you knew what God was thinking, would that help you? I mean, if God said, I had a thought about you, what would that mean to you? Well, I think it would mean everything. I mean, they're life-giving. They're powerful. God had a thought one day, and he said, light be, and light became. There's nothing more powerful and transformative than God's thoughts, than God's word. We have a book, I already said, that's full of God's thoughts. We call it the Bible. His desire is for us to immerse ourselves in his thoughts, in his word, so we can learn to think like him. As we think like him, we can be transformed to be like him. What, you think that can happen while we're in this earth? We've got eternity to be conformed to be just like him. And we're going to be changed and changed and changed. That's our future. God's going to share his thoughts with us as we go on. Right now, at this very moment, our thoughts are in the same place because we're thinking about what God has said and we're sharing the same thoughts at the same time as our minds are being renewed. Right now. Step by step. The word, his thoughts, will pierce between the soul and the spirit. We're not just mind and body. We're soul and spirit. And, and they're very closely connected, but the word will, will, will split between those two. I mean, we're not just body. We're, in fact, we're mind. We're, we're a spirit that has a mind that lives in a body. The body's going to die in one of these days. And either, and it's, it, no matter how what happens to it, oh, we're going to go on to heaven. We're going to come back to meet our bodies one, day, one of these days when the trumpet sounds. And that trumpet's going to sound. Our body's going to come back together, whether it was destroyed by fire or... None of us. But it turns to dirt. Whatever it's going to come back together. We're going to go to heaven. 
And our body will join up with our mind, which didn't die when our body died. Our brain did, but our mind didn't die. Because in heaven we'll still think. All right? Makes me happy to think about that we're going to go to heaven. (laughs) And if we had never seen that in God's word, which was his thought, we wouldn't have had that thought. Because his thought was a thought that changed the way we think. Okay? There are thoughts that are true. There are thoughts that are lies. His word divides between the soul and the spirit and those things. Back to Romans 8. It says, To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carly minded is death. Does it make a difference what we think about? For that verse, it makes a big difference. The difference between life and death are on that thought. Some thoughts minister death. I mean, they'll kill you as they connect you to death. Oh, I don't believe that now. Whoa, 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 whoa. What about that guy who was standing there looking? And he said, hold my beer. He tried the stunt and he died. The thought connected him to death. A thought can connect us to death. They're not all quite that quick, but some people just act on a thought. They had a thought. The word minded means what you keep your mind on. Carnally minded, what you keep your mind on. Carnally minded is death. Spiritually minded, what you keep your mind on is life and peace and will change you. Thinking on what God has said changes us. We're changing now as we think about His Word. I mean, I tell you, in life, in ministry, I've seen the Word change people. I've seen people come to church week after week after week after month after year after year. And I've seen people, God has taken simple, the simplest minded people who could barely speak a complete sentence and changed them. And you would never know they had a problem. I've seen the Word of God heal people over time because they continually listened to the Word. They continually thinked, they thought on the Word. It changed them. I've seen people come to church and come to church and their life changed for good. Their marriage changed for good because of the Word. They saturated themselves in the Word. And then they dropped out of church. They connected to something different. And they began to change the wrong way. Began to have the, the, the thing that worsened. They got worse. People who connect to the Word, connect to the thoughts of God, it brings life and peace. Connecting to the thoughts of carnality, of the world, brings death. I mean, and I've seen people, they come to church and they get all built up and they're good and they're good and they leave and they go back into the world and they come back and they're worse off the next week than they were before. It's a matter of what we connect to. What do we connect to? We need to connect to life with our thoughts connecting to God. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose whose what? Mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. Perfect peace. The, The Hebrew says shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. Complete, completeness. God keeps him in complete completeness whose mind is stayed on him. It's uh, the, the mental part of us, the mind can connect us to the spirit here. 
because we choose to think the thoughts of God. We don't have to. We don't have to have 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 this thing of of, of ups and downs. We need to con- continually connect to the thoughts of God. Connect to it. I mean, when I think on the wrong things, I'm connecting to death. If I keep my mind stayed on Him, I have perfect peace. Thinking on the right thing connects me with peace and life. I, I mean, it's 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 like touching God. It's as it's as if it's as if. Here, this, this, this is light, and this is life. If I reach out and touch it, I get made better. I grow. I'm better. If I say, this is darkness, and I reach, and I, I touch that, and I go down and down. I've got to touch this and just keep my thoughts here. Keep myself thinking what God has said. How do I change my thoughts? Well, I meditate in something, and I say it out loud. I speak it out loud. All right? We must touch Him, and that brings life. Spiritually minded connects us to life. Thoughts come from a spiritual realm. Somewhere along the way, they're spirit. And they're either emanated by God or they're emanated by his enemy. We need to connect to life in our thoughts. All right? we, they all come from some spiritual source at some place. Now I want you to think about this. It's important for us to identify those thoughts so we know what to do with them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything. That's an interesting way to say it. Touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So, he said as touching. He's not talking about physically touching something. He's not talking about touching it physically. He said, when we get in faith, put our minds on it, we touch it. We touch it. He said, when we touch it, it will be done. We set things in motion as we touched it. Spiritual things are very real. And we can touch them with, 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 with the right thinking, meditating in his words, agreeing with what he said. When you set your mind on some, anything, you set your mind on something, you open your spirit to it, it's either carnal or it's spiritual. You either you either have peace and life or death and these thoughts. When you re, when you set your mind on it, you touch it, and you allow it to touch you. I mean, if it's the, if it, if it's good, that's good. If it's bad, that's defiling. It's touching you. It will bring if it's bad, it'll bring death. If it's if it's good, it'll bring life. I mean, if it's good, it transforms you. I mean, whatever it brings, it can't be hidden forever. It'll eventually come out of you. We need to begin to think, okay, I'm the righteousness of God. By his stripes I was healed. We need to begin to think the right way, thinking the right thoughts. If we think about it enough, if we think about what God has said, and that becomes our thought pattern, there is no way that the world will ever convince us something else is true because our minds will be renewed. If our minds are like the world, then we'll get what the world gets and we'll be conformed to their, to their image. Right, if our minds are stayed on him, we'll be transformed and we'll become all that we're supposed to be. So he said, agree as touching. As we agree as touching. Think about this. Ananias and Sapphira agreed as touching something. They agreed. They, 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 they thought about this, this thing of keeping the money. As they thought about it, they opened themselves to the devil. They could have rejected this at any moment. 
but they both agreed as touching something. And they were carnally minded and it brought death. All right? So we need to recognize that. We need to have we need to have his thoughts. We need to begin to think his way. We must get hold of, 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 of what God has said, understanding that the way we think is very important. So we need to protect our minds, develop our minds. We must be disciplined to keep our minds on him. As we do that, we can touch him. I think some of us, if we could see the filthiness of some thoughts of the world, I mean, we would want a bath right now because they're defiling. If we have these thoughts about, oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the mask? We're going to make us wear mask again. That's not from God. The thought needs to be, okay, God, what is your plan? We need to touch life. We need, we need, to, we need to touch what God has said. All right? We immediately need to wash our minds with the word when the devil tries to get in. When we touch him, we keep our minds on him, we're in perfect peace because we reach out and we touch the Prince of Peace. Our minds are our minds. Every thought is important. Or the Bible wouldn't have said, take every thought captive. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that that you, you told us that we need to renew our minds. That means we can do it. You told us we need to bring our thoughts captive. That means we can do it. Lord, I thank you that we can take your word, we can dive into it, and allow you to change us, to transform us into the people we're supposed to be. And Lord, we can know your perfect will. Father, we give you thanks tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.